And I've been toying around with this. Everybody deserves, everybody deserves all of God's creation, all of God's people, all of God's daughters and sons deserve to experience their fullness, their potential, their purpose in the kingdom. Yeah. Today. Yeah. And on that note, the Ring Doorbell. This is brought to you by Ring, where, uh, you know, you never have to worry or wonder who's at your door. You can simply look at the app. Welcome to the Life and Rhythm Podcast, where we hope to equip rhythm communities to be formed by God, with one another, for the good of others, in the valley as it is in heaven. This is episode 13. I'm Adam Everett. I'm Matt Fogel. Matt Fogel. Man, we've gone through 12 episodes. You make me laugh. And here we are. Buddy, we're on episode 13. 13. Lucky number 13. This is going to be a good one. This is going to be good. feeling it. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, uh, or maybe skipped ahead, I'd love to do a review. Ooh, let's do that. You know, what is a disciple-making movement? You know, we've said over and over again that first and foremost, disciple-making movements are a work of the Spirit, Hmm. and that we cannot cause them to happen, but it's something that we can cooperate with God as His non-anxious cooperative friends. We've said that over and over again. Absolutely. So, So, one of the elements of those we, you know, we've covered prayer and fasting, extraordinary prayer and fasting. That's an element of a disciple-making movement. And if you're listening to this right now. And you're thinking, man, I'm interested in what decentralized centralized means. But you examine your own prayer life or your fasting rhythms, and maybe you're saying, I could maybe do a little better in those. Or I could mm-hmm. be more intentional with connecting with God in those ways. I would just say pause, talk with a friend about that. Uh, Absolutely. Because first and foremost, it's about that relationship with God. Well, it's the recognition that God is at work. And we talk about this a lot, that God cares more about his church than we do. Amen. And so, you know, it's just not another empire that we're building, uh, which has unfortunately been the case in so many pockets around the world, specifically within America, that we've built something on the bootstraps of the Enlightenment period is what we talk about. Yep. That is just about what we do and how we create it. Um, yep. And it's just uh, so often, as we've mentioned, uh, that we've experienced, at least I've experienced, that I could do a lot of things in the name of Jesus with that, without including Jesus. Wow. And so... Um, That's scary, dude. Yeah, dude. So yeah, just asking that question of, you know, Jesus, where are you at work? Mm-hmm. And how can I participate in that? And just being open to be guided by the Holy Spirit yeah. in your context. Because, man, um, yeah. God has you in this season right where you are for a reason, uh, whether it's for your family, for your neighborhood, your workplace, where you go and work out or play, um, or even where you learn. So maybe you're a high school kid that's listening to this. I don't know why you'd be listening to this, but <laughs> cheers to you that you're listening. <laughs> cheers. And uh, and maybe it's at your school and where you're learning or, or a college student where you're, where you're learning. So so as we pray and fast, then we start to identify ourselves as a missionary. Yeah. Um, if God to, is a missional God. Yeah. It's like, hey, I'm. this is my people. identity. This is who I am. And, yeah. and we talk about this a lot with anything that we do in life. 
uh, when we start to create those habits, we go from I run on occasion to I'm a runner. That's who I like am. that's I get up in the morning, I go for a run, I am a runner. And so, but it's based off of what we do. You know, I can't just say I talk about running and then identify with that. Like that would be, you know, people would call that out pretty quickly. <laughs> Um, but all of a sudden we have this identity. Hey, we're submitting to a missional God who's continually on mission. Now I'm a, I'm identifying as a missionary. And so when we talk about being a missionary, again, it's exactly where God's put you in this place, in this season, at this time for a particular purpose. That's ultimately for his glory. That's just to bless other people. We're, a, we're blessed to be a blessing. Yeah. And I would say it's a mindset shift for a lot of us from a lot of us in our in our jobs, and I, there's probably some people listening that think in their marriages with their kids, mm. there's a mindset of, oh, I'm stuck here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the missionary identity is moving from a stuckness mentality to a sentness mentality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not stuck in my family. I'm stick. I'm, I'm sent to it. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm not stuck in my job. I'm sent. Mm-hmm. Where, wherever my job is, now I'm, I have a posture of sentness mm-hmm. with my friends and with my neighbors. I'm not stuck in my neighborhood because I can't afford a better house. I'm sent to this neighborhood. That's good, dude. To be the light. Did you just make that up? I did, yeah. Right on the spot. Yeah. Dang, I like that. Thanks, man. We should have used that earlier. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And as you're sent, there's certain things you do. There's, we call sent, them blessed rhythms. It's so a bumper sticker, bro. Right. If you don't have a bumper sticker, <laughs> sent, not stuck. Like we're doing things wrong. Yeah. Wow. Bless for this. Yeah. So we we bless others. Yeah. Um so and, yeah, we you know, I would encourage you guys to if you haven't listened, this is jumping into this. You know, we're just kind of going through an overview, but we do we do a deep dive in and what yeah. it means to be a blessing and um and then you know, reverse hospitality, persons of peace, and and that's it. Again, so we're talking about decentralization. I just had my mind blown the other day walking through. I'd encourage you to go through Matthew 10, Luke 10, and just just to dissect where Jesus is calling you or the disciples specifically, who he's sending them to, and then what is he telling them to do, and then what is he telling them not to do, right. and make a list of that. My mind was blown. And a lot of it that. has to do with letting yourself be taken care of by Absolutely. strangers. Hospitality. Because if hospitality is a love of stranger, mm-hmm. not uh, the Yankee candle industry, if that's not <laughs> hospitality, I've got all the bath soaps in my bathroom that line up with the season that yes. it is. If that's not real hospitality, but rather taking care of people you don't yet know, and then what is reverse hospitality? Boom. Having letting, them having them take care of you. Exactly. Letting them take care of you. And, and we that's discover it. people of peace Dude. in that. People Absolutely. that... Not only, you know, you're seeking to bring wholeness and restoration in every area of your life, but you're going to find people that don't even know Jesus. They're not walking with them. They don't proclaim, I'm an apprentice of Jesus, that just want to take care of you. Dude, and, and the decentralized, and we're going to get into this, but just a little teaser here talking about per, persons of peace, is that person doesn't need to be tethered to you. No. All of a sudden, you're making that about you. And your discipleship of them versus seeing something in them and seeing their network of relationship that you, you're not going to cross those, over those mm-hmm. barriers and all of a sudden just be transplanted into their neighborhood right? or their whatever network because you met them and all of a sudden you have this entitlement yeah. or, you know, oh, this is a little harsh, but Messiah complex that you have to be the end all be all. 
And that's where it really comes down to like, man, if you're empowering or not empowering, I want to say the Holy Spirit empowers, you're just equipping them to be a missionary in their context. And that person that they're blessing and those people that they're blessing never know you, that's a huge win. And that's what we mean by decentralization. Yeah, It's no longer a, hey, come hear my pastor preach or come to my church. It's I'm being the church in my context. Mm-hmm. And that's what it means to be a missionary. Yeah. And then when we disciple, like then there's discipleship that's happening yeah. and multiplication that's happening in discipleship. Yeah. Through that discipleship, all of a sudden then a church emerges. Yeah. Yeah. And at the core of that, I don't want to rush past this. At the core of discipleship is the gospel. Yeah. Is well, the core of who we are. And, and I would say yeah. the core Our of identity. us living as a missionary is the gospel. Right. So yeah. that just flows through us. Yeah. In and out of us is the gospel. Yeah. Do we have clarity as missionaries in what kind of story we're living in? Do, do we really believe that God's the creator yeah. of the universe and the sustainer of it? Do we believe that even after we fell, even mm-hmm. after we rebelled, he's the one who pursued us, mm-hmm. put things back together? Do we believe that Jesus' story actually started with Abraham? Yeah. And God's saying, I'm going to bless you. In your old age, I'm going to give you a son, and you're going to be a blessing to all, the entire world. Yeah. And the cosmos is going to be restored through this, through this Messiah yeah. one day. And then do we believe that this is moving towards a story? Like we're in, we're in a narrative. We're living in a world where the end, God is going to bring it to completion by restoration, not mm-hmm. destruction. Mm-hmm. Do we believe that? Because when we understand that the gospel is couched in that kind of bigger story, we understand what the good news really is. Yeah, dude. It's not just I'm, I'm, I'm forgiven of my sins, it's now I have freedom to love mm-hmm. other people and serve other people and be a part of the restoration of all things now. It becomes less about escaping this world into the next afterlife and more about bringing the afterlife into now. Dude, that's good. And so when we share the good news, I believe, Adam, I know you believe, we're convicted that out of that, the church emerges. Absolutely. And that's a shift for us because I think a lot of mm-hmm. churches, like Rhythm Community Church started by a mindset that was, hey, let's start a church that then makes disciples. And I would say, let's start a worship service let's on start, Sunday. Let's start a worship gathering yeah. that has a crowd. Mm-hmm. Out of that crowd, then we can yeah. hopefully call people into discipleship. Yeah. And I think, by the way, that God is using that. I think God, people are doing that, and God is using that, and praise God for that, and there's no judgment in me and Adam's heart or our mind on what that is. But what if instead we said, no, actually, we're going to, start with, let's make disciples, and one day that will lead to a church. What if we simply said, no, I can be a disciple who makes disciples in every network of relationships I have already. It's not another thing. It's just who I am. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to make disciples, and out of that, a church is going to emerge. Very simply, a group of disciples who are passionate about Jesus and the gospel is going to emerge, and then they're going to start making disciples. That then other churches will emerge in their networks of relationships. And that and that is the fuel behind decentralization. Um, because we're gonna see a diversity of churches emerge Please, Jesus. that we would never in our wildest dreams ever come up with. No. Uh, or even be allowed to be a part of because mm-hmm. of you know our our background, you know, our, the pigment in our skin, you know, the yeah. the way in which we hold ourselves. Like we have a calling. We have a purpose, specifically you and I, like we talk about this a lot, 
going from decentralization of like, <laughs> we joke about getting demoted <laughs> as lead pastor, but I mean, there's truth to that. I know it's tongue in cheek, but there is truth to that in the sense that we see ourselves as missionaries alongside other missionaries, mm-hmm. you know, and we're trying to orchestrate this and, and, and create something that's useful for so many people that is, you know, we talk about this a lot, the difference between assimilation and accommodation. We want to accommodate mm-hmm. everyone in this because every tribe, tongue, and nation yeah. is represented in, yeah. in heaven. And it's not just people that look like me. Yeah. And so in order to do that, in order to, in order to see that flourish, decentralization has to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Can, I, can I read this quote Absolutely. by Roland Allen? who I, I believe is one of the greatest missiologists, like study of missionary movements, disciple-making movements the last 50 years. What a be a I didn't even know about him, by the way, until a few months ago, let's just be honest, until uh, Bishop Todd Hunter mm. from the Diocese Church for the Sake of Others. Cheers to Cheers. Todd. He, he mentioned this guy's name, and then I bought a couple of his books. And this quote's in uh, his book, The Spontaneous Expansion of the Church. And he says, spontaneous expansion must be free. It cannot be under our control. And consequently, it is utterly vain to say, as I constantly hear guys say, that we desire to see spontaneous expansion and yet we must maintain our control. If we want to see spontaneous expansion, we must establish native churches free from our control. Dang, bro. Come on now. Wow. Yeah, it's potent. He's not holding any punches there. Nope. Now, if we want to see spontaneous expansion of the gospel in churches, we must establish native churches in our own networks free from our control. He's talking about, in a roundabout way, decentralization. Yeah, man. I, I remember early on our conversation with Josh Howard and CICM and um, mm-hmm. a conversation that really started to... Uh, to shift our thinking around decentralization and centralization. And he talked about, and I've, you know, I totally agreed with the first part is everybody's called to make disciples, right? <laughs> like, okay, cool. Right. So check, good. And then he says this, and I was just like, I was taken back. He said, everybody's called to plant churches. Mm. I'm like, whoa, okay. So what am I then? You know, it's like, I'm a church planter that's paid, you know, kind of a my profession, I'm paid to do this. And they they talked a lot about him and Chris Galanos with us on a Zoom call, talked a lot about whenever you start paying people to do the work that God's called everybody to do, everybody starts to point to you to do all of it. That's right. I'm like, ooh, man. So the way that, again, looking at de- decentralization or uh, versus centralization, um, you know, we start to see that unique spontaneous expression of the church emerge when we say, no, you can plant churches. Yeah. So you're, you're a missionary that's discipling and making disciples and making disciples. And when we do that, all of a sudden the church emerges out of that. Mm-hmm. There's formation that happens. Yeah. There's this with one another that happens. And there's this focus on mission that happens. Yeah. When we're a you know, kind of that band of brothers, you know, that comes together and we're forward focused of like expanding the kingdom for the glory of God and the good of others. And all of a sudden there's all kinds of different pockets and networks of relationship that we would never again, I know I've said this again three times, but it's worth repeating. It's that we would never ever see come foot in the door at a centralized location. Yeah. 
And I just want to say that it's our desire to see ordinary, just ordinary unschooled people come to be filled with the Spirit and see that they personally can do this. They can make disciples that make disciples that make disciples that turn into Mm-hmm. The church, the greatest missionary of all time, which I think is the Apostle Paul. And he wrote a lot of the New Testament. And he says in his own preaching, he's like, I'm not eloquent. I'm not even trying to use like lofty wisdom. I'm, I'm just trying to be obedient to what the Spirit's doing in the moment. And in the Holy Spirit, I'm fully equipped. And over, mm-hmm. over centuries of church leadership, when we look at the early church 2,000 years ago until now, there's become a hierarchy, and, and there's been this misnomer, and I don't care what kind of church structure you have, that no matter where you're at, the gospel is for everyone. Discipleship mm-hmm. is for everyone, and nowhere should there be a church where people are looking at what somebody else is doing and saying, I could never do that, because everything Jesus did, he modeled, no, you can do this. Mm-hmm. I'm modeling for you that this is for you. And he did so, by the way, not with the religious leaders, not with the people who had a Bible degree. He was doing that with fishermen and tax collectors. And he was hanging out with prostitutes and people that the Roman Empire hated, the marginalized, to show them, basically, if I can do this with these people, y'all can do it, but it's actually gonna take, you. you're gonna have to humble yourself. You're gonna have to come to a point where you realize you can't do this without me or my Holy Spirit. Man, yeah, uh-huh. There's so many ways in which I want to go here. Um, but I do, I do want to hit on a couple of things that you just said. And I've been toying around with this. Everybody deserves, everybody deserves all of God's creation, all of God's people, all of God's daughters and sons deserve to experience their fullness, their potential, their purpose in the kingdom. Yeah. Today. Yeah. And on that note, the Ring Doorbell. This is brought to you by Ring, where uh, yeah. you know you never have to worry yeah. or wonder who's at your door. You can simply look at the Dude, app. I, I was at a conference in high school, going back to what you were just saying. Sorry, Ring Doorbell. Uh, but No, we t- you totally butchered that. I'm so sorry. I was at a, I was we at want a to be sponsored by Ring. <laughs> where there was a call to go into ministry, and I'm sure there's uh, a lot of these full-time vocational. Who wants to be a pastor and be paid for it, basically? And I went forward and got on my knees and raised my hands. You did. You were wanting were that paycheck. I, was, I, <laughs> you were that I wanted that really small <laughs> paycheck. And you know what I was thinking in that moment that I've thought decades since is... Uh, this is what everybody's called into, is a life of surrender and worship. Dude. Everybody. This is not for the elite. This is not a special call. This is a birth, this is what you're saying. This is the birthright of all God's people yeah. to be a part of the kingdom and to bring heaven to earth Dude. wherever they're at. And so- Come on. <laughs> yeah. excited. So I, I just want to say that there are a lot of church leadership structures out there, and, and I want to make sure that everyone walks away from this podcast knowing I don't think that they're inherently evil. Like, I don't think they're bad. I don't, I don't think what the Catholic Church is doing is bad. I, I don't think what the Anglican Church, what Baptist denominations, Lutherans, even non-denominational or house churches, like, I don't think any of that is necessarily bad. And, and we're not even looking for a better organizational method. We just know that God's looking for men and women to fill his Holy Spirit with. We know that. No, yeah, From dude. the beginning of time, we know that he's looking for surrendered hearts of worship. And, and we're just trying to create a structure where that happens more freely. Yeah, 
yeah, dude, I would, and I would even say <laughs> we're not even creating the structure. Like it's been created. We're not reinventing the wheel here. No. And there's a reason why the pendulum swung yeah. from the early church to the hierarchical structure that we see in denominational churches. Like there's a reason for that. Yeah. And there's a reason why the pendulum's swinging back to uh, uh, this particular type of decentralized movement that's happening all around the world. Again, 16 to 1700 different disciple making movements all around the world, 75 to 95,000 people participating in each one of those. Mm -hmm. And the average size of the church in each of those is 14 to 20 people. 14, 20 people. Yeah. I mean, it's just, there's, and it's just exploding Mm -hmm. all over the world. There's a reason for that. And, and, and in the midst of that, there's also, we're, we're just messed up people. So yeah. there's going to be complications and sin that's, you know, creeping in the camp regardless of the structure. Yeah. And so we're not naive to, to say, okay, this is the cure-all, right? Yeah. Or this is going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are saying, to your point, everybody can experience this and everybody can have ownership in it and be involved and it's not for the elite. No. It's not for somebody else. It's for me. Yeah. Is this a pickup game of basketball at a park where everybody's allowed to play no matter what your skill level is or is this we're going to an arena and there are special players on the court that they mm-hmm. get to participate in and we cheer them on. Yeah. And we elevate them and we care about their brand. Thank you. Um it's a good analogy. So <laughs> I, I would like to use a couple metaphors to maybe describe what Rhythm Community Church desires to be in terms of organizational structure. So one of the early metaphors that Adam and I heard was the difference between center set and yeah. bounded set organizations, right? So center set, think about um, the, the story we heard was the difference between the Australian outback yes. and Texas ranchers in terms of how they, how they herd cows and how do, they, how do they take care of them, all right? So in Australian Outback, they have a center set model of taking care of their cows. They put a well in the center of their land where the water is, and they put their food there, and they know no matter where these cows roam, they're gonna come back to this center, you know, this center piece of geography because that's where the resources are. And then they're gonna go back out from there. Whereas Texas ranchers, uh, shout out to all of our Texas friends, they have a bounded set model where we're going to create a specific barbed wire fence. By mm-hmm. the way, there's like thousands of different kinds of barbed wire in Texas. And we're going to create a boundary. And the cows can only walk within this boundary, right? And so what Rhythm is seeking to do, we're leaning towards creating a center set Australian outback model where what if we created resources for people to come in and get with the intention that they will be sent out? Not mm-hmm. trying to create four walls, where, hey, this, this is exactly what we are and this is exactly what we do, um, you know, the bounded set, what Texas ranchers are doing, but more so how can we create equipping resources for disciple makers where they can come in, get resources, and then then sit out? So that's one resource that helped us early on. No, that's huge, man. Uh, you know, for me, just thinking about the idea of it's not completely decentralized, you know, you're still something that's coming, that's bringing is. people yeah. together. And so that was a really big distinction because I think we have this idea of like all or nothing, you know, at least for me, it's like, okay, we're going to go all the way over here. And it's like, no, there's got to be some, some things that are centered. Yes. Some, the well, like what is the well? Yeah. Like what is, what are the, th- you know, what's the food that we're providing? What are the resources which we're giving? And, and so that's big. Speak a little bit on that as we've kind of just, 
brought together some some thoughts and and partnered with a lot of people around literally around the world connected with go ministries i mentioned cicm with josh howard uh disciples made team disciples may casey underground there's a lot of people that we've um kind of bent their ear a bit to say okay what what's going on a bit you know in around the world and and how can we structure some more centered sets so speak a little bit about where we are today and the and the what is the well? What's the food? What are the things that we're really pointing towards? Yeah, one of the things we're doing in our what we would call like formational communities. Uh, one of the things we're providing for formation communities is the resources with disciples made, and we're seeing a lot of fruit mm-hmm. with that right now. And so, if you haven't gone there and checked out what their discipleship experiences are, I think it's very unique. I think it leads towards a place of leading your own formational community or missional community or microchurch, whatever you want to call it. It was really one of the only resources we found out there to equip missionaries. And with that mindset, we're, we're out yeah. here to equip missionaries to be the disciples makers they're called to be. Yeah. And we, we'd say that's more of a formal yep. uh, type of discipleship. Yep. I would say the other one, just to kind of parallel that, would be the informal tool that we use a lot or the exploratory tool that we use is, is just discover Bible study. Yeah. So we've talked about that enough in previous podcasts, so I won't go into details, but that was another mind shift for me in terms of centralization, decentralization is that when the cows go back out, you know, it's almost like they're, they're led, mm-hmm. you know, they're fueled, they're nurtured. Um, they're, they're, you know, it's like, it's, yeah. it's, it's not like they're sustained. Yeah. Right. By, you know, and so I would say to equate that to, to us is like the Holy Spirit is leading us out. Yeah. And, and the Holy Spirit is the guide and the teacher. And so we're just simply submitting to that. And so discover Bible study. There's not an expert in the room. Yeah. The expert is Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and so we're just submitting to that. Yeah. And we're opening up scripture to be led by that mm-hmm. and what we do. And so that's the, that's the informal exploratory tool that we've been using uh, in all of our context, and that's been super fruitful, and it's an all play. Yeah, you know, everybody can do it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another helpful metaphor would be the starfish and the spider. Mm-hmm. So, would you talk about what that is? Uh, I want to do a little plug here for our boy Rob. Yes, Rob Wagner. Wagner. Yeah, he has starfish a book coming out March thirtieth called Yeah, the Starfish and the Spirit. I've already pre-ordered it. I pre-ordered it. I'm excited. So, yeah, I'm excited to dive into that. But you know I, what? We should do a little plug. Let's just see who's listening. Yeah. If you message us, <laughs> we're just gonna see the yeah. Well, if you message us on Instagram, we want to do it on Instagram. Let's do it. Instagram. Message us on Instagram. You hear this? First five people get a book. We're gonna order a book. Starfish, Starfish and the Spirit. Spirit. So five. explain that metaphor. What is that? The Starfish it's and the so Spider good. is the original book. So yeah, Starfish and the Spider is a is a, a leadership business book um, that was. I'm going to butcher the name of the author, but anyway, you can look that up. Um, and this whole idea that when you cut off, you know, maybe a limb of the spider, the spider still survives. Um, you cut off a few limbs, like it's going to be really bad. You cut off the head of the spider, the spider's dead, one hundred percent done. Done. Um, and so again, in hierarchical systems or structures, you know, you cut off the head of the visionary, the founder, the CEO, um, you know, to equate that to church world, the lead pastor, et cetera, uh, the onstage presence, whatever that may be, um, the head of the spider, you know, the, 
it essentially starts to wither away and die uh, or has that great possibility to do that. Uh, certainly there's other cases where that doesn't happen, yeah. but uh, for the most part. So then a, a starfish as, you know, and starfish are crazy awesome in this regard is you, you cut off any part of the starfish, it actually just multiplies like <laughs> into another starfish. Yes. It's, it's, it's yeah. insane. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's the gist of it is yeah. that, that concept of again, centralization that we've talked about the well, the goods, the good news, all those things that we provide. All of a sudden you start cutting that thing off and it multiplies into, you know, dozens to hundreds yeah. to thousands of starfish all over. Yeah, how is it that the head of the church, Jesus Christ, is murdered, and uh, yet there's yeah. a rapid expansion? In the first 300 years, so much so that it overflows the it overthrows the Roman Empire. How is it that Dude. during all the seasons of persecution, by the way, me and Adam were just in a, a meeting with a Brazilian friend of ours, Michelle, and he was praying, and one of his prayers was, God, thank you that in the persecution of your church that we grow closer together and we're sent out even more powerfully. I actually thought about this this morning. This might be a little risky to say. <laughs> I'm going to say it anyways. Of course. <laughs> um, the Jewish church killed Jesus. Wow. And the American church has been decapitating Jesus ever since. Gosh. I don't know what you mean by that. That sounds really big. You know, Jesus is the head of the church. Yeah. And so we've been to And we've just been knocking off Jesus and doing our own thing ever since. Wow. And that's a hard thing. I mean, it's a hard thing to say. But again, going back to what I said earlier is when I can do church without Jesus. It's dangerous. It's super dangerous. And so we've been not submitting to the headship and the lordship of Jesus Christ. Mm. So we'd, we'd rather decapitate them yeah decapitate the bride dude i'm i'm uh really grateful for the leaders i know in adam's life and my life that have reminded me of that the the head of the church dude jesus christ and from an early age i was i didn't grow up in church but in high school i had leaders who cast a vision for me having a real connection with the living god and being empowered as a high school kid to preach and lead and mm -hmm. like legit make disciples in my, in my context as a high school student. And I, 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 when I think back to that time being on a student leadership team, it was such a, a mess. And for those of you listening that were on that team, yikes, we made it, we're still alive. Uh, but I just think it was the mentality of, I had a loving adults that said, you can do this, we can help over and over again. Mm -hmm. Hey, you're a high school kid. You're 15 years old. You've never grown up in church, yet you have the Spirit of God in you. Yes. And you can, you can, you can become like the head of the church, Jesus. You can be a part of His mission. You can glorify the Father. Yeah. And right now, as a 15 year old, you can do this, and we'll help you do it. Yep. And we're going to create a kind of intentional discipleship environment for you to thrive in that and fail forward yeah. and all those things. And if you look at the early church, especially in the Book of First Corinthians, Second Corinthians, it was a mess. But the Apostle Paul was confident that Jesus Christ is, is going to build his church. He's going to be the head. And right. as much as we may try to decapitate him, we will not succeed. He's, yeah. He will always be the head. Absolutely. He is the foundation. He's above us and below us, that Irish prayer. Mm -hmm. He's in front of us, beside us, at our right and our left. It's all about him. Absolutely. So, Yeah, and, and I, 
you know, just to piggyback off of that, one of our, one of our, um, you know, the way in which we distinctly want to raise up the the church of the future, or the, you know, at least the the see the church emerge, uh, specifically in the valley, is is through the next generation, is in schools, is what we say. So high school kids um, and college age kids, like there is a an opportunity, a network of relationship, a mm-hmm. um, you know, a community that you're a part of that we nobody else can speak that language nobody else can step foot a lot of times step foot on that campus mm-hmm. um but you have the tools uh, ultimately you have the empowerment of the holy spirit to be able to do what god's called you to do in that specific season you know and in high school and and i know you we've talked about this before like just the opportunities or the um the missed opportunities at times when we were in high school or even in college that it's just so short, you know, you have four years of each, um, maybe, and you know, there's so much opportunity there. And then we talk a lot, a lot about this too. So we, in schools, also in businesses. So business owners, seeing yourselves as a pastor or as a leader, or as a missionary, however you want to say it within your business and how you're caring for employees and how you're caring for their families you know, obviously with the livelihood of getting a paycheck, but also how much more than just receiving a paycheck, the culture of which you provide and the constant connection with Jesus. And not that you would ever, maybe even ever lead a Bible study, mm. but who you are as the church in that context is so extraordinarily important of people experiencing the kingdom. And then also in communities, neighborhoods, you know, where you play, um, the things that you enjoy in life. This God's is, called you there, yeah. man. These and are the those places are where the church can emerge. Absolutely. Yeah. And so those three places we talk about a lot in communities, in businesses, in schools. And man, there's so much opportunity there of, again, a decentralization that would happen and a beauty of um, a unique expression of the church emerging yeah. in those three areas. What would you, yeah, man, what would you leave us with today? What's, what's stirring in you? (laughs) Just the words that, uh, God's got this is what's ringing in my soul right now. That for all of you who may be anxious in any way for the church and especially in North America, just know God's got this. And like you said earlier, he cares more about this than we do. Absolutely. So thanks for joining us. Absolutely. See you next week. Peace. Peace. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Life and Rhythm Podcast. We are on mission to live freely and lightly with one another for the good of others. Peace.